Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity we have to um, gather together this morning, this first Sunday of the year, to be inspired by uh, each other, inspired by community, your story through scripture. We just ask that as we listen uh, this morning, as we discuss, share, pray together, that each of us would find ourselves feeling closer to you and closer to one another, that we would find a sense of inspiration inside to, to follow, to be a disciple, to live a quiet and just fulfilled life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, welcome. Uh, it's good to see you all. Happy New Year. Um, if you're new, we got a new uh, family with us this morning. Uh, we'll teach for like 20 minutes, then we'll go into discussion. Uh, discussion's a big part for our community. Feel free to be a fly on the wall or contribute as much as you want to. Uh, we want it, uh, the ideas that we're bouncing off to be uh, everyone involved in it. We'll have a time of communion um, and then prayer circles at the end, which are uh, like a huge part of our community, that we, we take a moment to say something that we're thankful for and something we need prayer for, um, just sharing life with each other before. We move on. Um, I want to start with a quote by Albert Einstein. It says, A quiet and a modest life brings more joy than a pursuit of success bound with constant unrest. Last Sunday, we did um, uh, our inspiring words talk that we've been doing the last, like that, either the last three years in a row, kind of as a New Year's kind of outlook choosing one to three words that will inspire you for the next year. Allie, we had coffee this week, and she showed me she's got hers on her homepage of her phone. It looks great. Um, but it got us looking on the inside, following the Holy Spirit, saying where, what words seem to resonate. The podcast will be online if you want to listen to it. It's something we should keep each other you know, uh, informed on, praying about, talking about it. It's, it's a way to just be led in a different way. This Sunday, I felt like we should, uh, it's the beginning of the new year, um, about every six to eight weeks, I try to throw in a discipline, um, and this is going to be one of them. Uh, a good way to start the year is a, is a practice, as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower, as someone who says they're doing this, uh, we figure that if we talk about it every six to eight weeks, it gives us some time to work on one before hitting the next one. In this morning, I want to talk about the discipline of simplicity. The older I get, the more I realize that it really is um, less is more when it comes to enjoying life. Whether it's how busy my time is booked up, how much stuff I own, um, and really even the last few years, it really starts to sink in that, that, that adage or saying that your stuff really ends up owning you. And just trying to make room, making room for others, making room for what matters most. I remember, you know, the beginning of last year, Amy and I took a sabbatical for seven weeks, and that was the biggest part of it, is that there's things we really get out of life and stuff that we really enjoy, yet there just doesn't seem to be room for some of it. And so it's just cleaning the way and making room. Um, there's a book uh, that is kind of famous for disciplines, uh, and I'm spacing on the name right now. Hogan, do you have it offhand? Celebration of Discipline by, do you remember the author? It's right here. 
Yeah, there you go. Richard Fosner? Foster, yeah. It's, uh, he, he, he gives three categories, inward um, disciplines, external disciplines, and community-wide stuff that we're doing together. Uh, and simplicity is actually an external one. It's, it's a discipline in our life that it's, it's meant to help us to be a follower of Jesus, but it's also meant for people watching, that they sense God in our actions, and which is really fascinating with, with this one because it almost seems like it should just be internal. And so I don't know about you, but this, uh, the idea of a life filled with too much stuff, or even in this simplicity discipline, it talks a lot about chasing whether it's just being a life filled with too many ambitions, chasing stuff, or even chasing the opinions of others can just lead us down this path of where we're tired, where we're frustrated. Um, now, I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but we're a grace church, and so it's, it's Jesus's, what he did for us that gets us in right standing. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. It's this place of rest, this place of, 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 of knowing that it's all him, and from that, he stirs passions on the inside of us, grows us, we're able to be his hands and feet in the world. But a simplicity discipline is one that's saying, is there room for that? Is my life look something different? Is there space for that kind of, or is my life just look like a bunch of my own rules, my own to-do lists, my own things that I'm chasing after? Does it just look like I'm chasing something again? And that's the opposite of what the kingdom of heaven is and this peace that God wants us to have. When we're talking about a discipline of simplicity, uh, and I, I really, I've titled it Pursuing a Quiet and a Simple Life. Uh, there's three ways it really messes with us. It's the ambitions, it's the things, either buying things or chasing things, not happy unless you have them, or it's seeking approval, whether it's society's approval or your neighbor or your best friend or maybe one of your parents, you're just looking for that approval. Like We, we look for approval from so many. And it just takes us off that path, that simple path of being a follower of Jesus. Now you might mess this up. You might be horrible at this. You might listen to this talking to me like, I'm not interested in that. It's not gonna, God's not gonna love you any less. But although the scriptures might point out that you might miss out on a piece of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. There's a way, followers of Jesus back in the day were called, it was called the way. There's, there's being a disciple, following him, practicing what he suggests, we, that you experience a different piece of life. And it's a piece of life that flows into others. It's not meant just for yourself. That's meant so that other people can experience his love, his peace, his acceptance, the kingdom of heaven, God's way of doing things here around us right now. If we look at First Thessalonians, oh, that was botched, wow. Oh, sticky mouth. All right, First Thessalonians four eleven through twelve. Winter is horrible for people who speak like orators, great orators. Um, thank you. I didn't want to toot my own horn, especially with today's talk. You'll see at the end that this was completely ridiculous and opposite of what I should be doing. First Thessalonians four eleven and twelve. New International Version. This is one that I think the voice that we usually use the most like misses something a little bit here. He says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life will win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. 
there's this simple, this quiet, there's this way of living life that outsiders look in and be like, there's something about that. There's something good. It's contrary to maybe what society says. And not just suggests, but shouts, if you don't do this, life won't work. I remember even when we were starting the church, um, I'm a guy who loves statistics, and the church planning organization that helped us was like, you can't have discussion. It will fail instantly. And so you're like, shoot, they're screaming that you have to do it this way. And we tried, and it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like us. It didn't feel like what we were supposed to do. And we finally get into adding discussion. You're like, this feels right. This feels like home. But we listen to that crowd, the voice that's saying, you need to live this way. You need to have this to be happy. And then there's another way. The way of Jesus where he says, just trust me. Just slow down. Let's see where things are going. What's really cool is if you read in Thessalonians, Paul starts to make a big switch with this church from telling them those things they need to add to their life to be able to really experience Jesus to saying, you know what, I trust that you got the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Just follow your spirit. But in this follow your spirit, he gives these guidelines of just simplify things, slow down. There's something about this. It's like this I'm not going to give you anything more to do. I want you to trust your spirit, but I want to give you a few less things. Stop chasing. Slow down a bit. TJ, I've heard rumors of a t-shirt that he has that says, keep St. Paul, what is it? Boring, right? Keep St. Paul boring? Is that what it is? Keep St. Paul boring. We don't need laser lights or a Disney park or it's, we've got the right, restaurants, dive bars, just what you need. We don't need the right? It's just, I think it bloom. Keep bloom boring. We don't need laser lights or a kid's room that looks like Disneyland or whatever. It's, there's something in the simplicity that you see through the core intentions. There's something more beautiful. There's something happening here. There's, uh, and so I, I was inspired by the Keep St. Paul Boring shirt, TJ. I want to read from Matthew 6 today. I put it online a couple of days ago uh, in different spots for you to read ahead if you had it. If you want to, f- I didn't put it on the screen because I'm reading a lot of verses. I'm just going to read it in a row. There is a translation of the voice at the back. You can look on your phones, whatever. But just, just listen for a second to how the scriptures start to paint a picture about this. And this is Matthew 6. And it's Jesus speaking. And he says, When you do righteous acts, don't do them in front of spectators. Don't do them where you can be seen, let alone lauded by others. When you give to the poor, don't boast about it, announcing your donations with blaring trumpets as player actors do. Indeed, do not give at all if you're giving because you want to be praised by your neighbors. It says, Likewise, when you pray, Do not be as the hypocrites who love to pray loudly at synagogues or on street corners. Their concern is to be seen by men. When you pray, don't go on and on excessively and strangely like the outsiders. They think their verbosity will let them be heard by their deities. Don't be like them. Your prayers need not be labored or lengthy or grandiose, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. And when you fast, don't look miserable as actors or hypocrites do when they're fasting, walking around town putting on airs about the suffering and the weakness or complaining about how hungry they are so that everyone will know that they're fasting. Verse 19, it says, Some people 
store up treasures in their homes here on earth. This is a short-sighted practice. Don't undertake it. Instead, put your treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Now take notice, there's, we've been talking about ways of living life. Um, not doing it as a spectacle. No matter what we're doing, it's not trying to bring attention to me. Now, if Paul's going to pause, or not, Matthew's going to pause here and give a little insight into something else, and he's going to go back into that same kind of talk. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. You draw light into your body through your eyes, and light shines out to the world through your eyes. So if your eye is well and shows what is true, then your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is clouded or evil, your whole body will be filled with evil and dark clouds. And so there's this pause. There's this, he's telling us, relax, to not try to be showy with our faith. We don't need to do that. And then he gets into this weird thing about our eyes. And this is where the simplicity discipline is an external one. He says, because when others look at you, when they look into your eyes, they can sense what's going on. Is it clouded? Is it just you pursuing riches, worldly gain, all kinds of agendas? Is it you pursuing opinions of others and trying to boast yourself up? Is it you just chasing after money or things? Or have you let go of that? Is there a clarity? Is there a light that comes from God? Does your spark on the inside come from somewhere else? Because it's going to be obvious to someone who's watching whether you're just in this for you or you're actually resting in someone else. You're trusting. You're going at this. The way we live our life, the way we are in our heart, it's, it's visible to outsiders. People notice. That's why they are sick of hypocritical Christians. When people are polled in America and asked, what do you think of when you think of the term Christianity? Judgmental is number one. Hypocrites is within the top three or four. They just don't think we stand for what we say and love doesn't show up on the top ten at all. And so you wonder, is our eye cloudy or is it filled with light? Jesus in verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters If you try, you'll end up loving the first master and hating the second, or vice versa. People try to serve both God and money, but you can't. You've got to choose one or the other. Here's the bottom line. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you drink. Don't worry about the clothes you put on your body. Living is more than these things. Look at the birds in the sky. They don't store their food for winter. They don't plant gardens. They don't sow or reap, and yet they're always fed because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you're more precious to him than a beautiful bird. If he looks after them, of course he's going to look after you. Worrying does not do any good. Who can claim to add even an hour to his life by worrying? Nor should you worry about clothes. Consider the lilies. Even King Solomon, dressed in his most regal garb, was not as lovely as these lilies. How much more will he clothe you, ye of little faith, you who have no trust? So do you consume yourself with these questions? Or do not consume yourself with these questions. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Outsiders make themselves frantic over such questions. They don't realize that your heavenly Father knows exactly what you need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Living faithfully is large enough task for today. Again, we're talking about pursuing a quiet and a simple life. There's a rest that comes in this. There's a giving up on self-performance and trying to look or perform or to get everything you want all on your own, this striving after finding something, and there's this resting and trusting, maybe I already got everything I need. 
And whatever's missing, maybe I just trust that something's going to come with that. This path, this choice, this direction leads us to a place that someone can look at your life, look at you in the eyes and say, something is different. There's a spark here that I don't see. There's a longing in my own life to have what you have. It's finally being okay, content, satisfied. And it's a discipline, it's a practice because it doesn't come easy. We're constantly bombarded with advertising or something suggesting, oh, your life would be a lot better if you just had this. Right now, for me, that is a wooden hot tub. Oh, baby, cedar-sided. I'm like, man, I could be in that every night. That would be amazing. Uh, no, it's, I'm not saying it wouldn't be amazing, but it's amazing right now. Or I spend time at a log cabin, I'm like, that's what it is. Like the log cabin, that is. Why don't we just live in a log cabin? This is where it's at. It's so easy to just jump to the next things. But practicing this following, just practicing a discipline of like, am I living a simple life? Can I slow down? Where am I trying to add too much stuff? Where am I trying to perform too much? And I can just pare that back and just coast. Coast with Jesus a bit. These statements in Matthew 6 are so intriguing because they're so different than the vision that society gives us of what success looks like. We're taught that an action is defined by its impact. How many people pat you on the back? How many people like your page or your social feed or whatever because of what you did? Like, ooh, I made an impact because all those people thumbs me up. And there were some smiley faces and some hearts and there was only one tear. So I did a good job. Like, it was all right. Um... And we desire, like, stuff or recognition or opinions. Like, if someone has a bad opinion of you at work, like, I know people that will, like, this next year, I'm going to get them to like me. And you just are eaten up because they don't like you for some reason. You're going to fix that. You're going to fix that. And so we're so worried about all this stuff. And it seems so opposite of this whole Matthew 6 that we read. It sounds exhausting. It sounds manipulative. It sounds cutthroat. It sounds opposite of everything that the kingdom of heaven sounds like to me. So simplicity discipline. Simplicity frees us from three things, or at least that's what this uh, book of Christian disciplines that have been handed down for years tells us. There's, this discipline is going to help us in three ways. The tyranny of self, the tyranny of things, the tyranny of people. The self is clamoring for attention. You'll see it all through the scriptures. This, it'll call it the flesh a lot of times, but it's you, it's your selfishness, it's the self, it's, 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 it's you protecting you, it's you clamoring for what you want. It clamors for attention, self-recognition, applause, it keeps you busy with ideas and ambitions because when you have those things, when you're going after them, you feel a little more special. You feel like when I get here, people will say I'm special. They will say, you didn't waste your life, Jared. Look what you turned it into. It's always someone else and not just the approval of the divine, of God, like this... Is he cool with you just the way you are? And did we miss so many opportunities to love the things that meant the most to us along the way as we're pursuing these things? This book suggests a few questions to ask ourselves to confront or challenge this selfishness. Am I pretending to be an expert where I'm only an amateur? Do I give the impression of being more godly or more profane than I truly am? Do I try to impress people with my degrees, my titles, my honors, my number of followers, the clothes I'm wearing? I I don't know. This is a good moment to take out a camera and take a picture of the screen, if that's you. I can come back to it later. 
Luke 12, 15, you're better. He's like, you would, this is Jesus speaking. He said, you'd better be on your guard against any type of greed. For a person's life is not about having a lot of possessions. This tyranny of things in our life, this fear that we won't have enough, or the fear that others will discover who we are, and so we need to put on this front. Well, I'm an artistic, hip person, so when someone shows up to my house, it better look artistic and hip. And if they look at me, I better look artistic and hip and put together at all times. And all these things, we're putting this facade because I want someone to think of me this way. And those values, are they truly what we're seeking after? Do I need someone, first and foremost, to think I'm hip or that I'm hospitable and I'm loving and let's have a conversation and let's be real and that I make amazing eggs and so you've got to try my eggs and bacon and that's, we're going to eat a, a meal together and have fun and laugh a little too much but be able to be open and honest. Is what I'm showing forth really the values that I value most or is it just this image again, this facade? We often create this artificial world, this constant display, ornamentation, extravagance, style, just to try to portray this image of who we think we need to look like. Some of us are aging and we're struggling to portray this image of I'm not 40 yet or whatever age it is, 50, 60, 30. I don't know what your age is that you're like, I'm not that yet. And so it's, I don't know. Are you comfortable letting gray come in or is it, is it to the target section and we're instantly grabbing something else. I got to be honest, I've been tempted. Like my beard is turning gray fast. I'm like, oh, not, I'm okay with gray, but like this is fast. Like shoot, this stuff is really happening. Maybe it's the way we go to the gym because we constantly need our body image to look like some body image they're telling us it is or the hair salons or the clothes or whatever. Maybe it's your car or your house. Maybe you're living beyond your means just to try to put up this facade that I've got my stuff together. This attempt to feel successful or look successful. Do we ever see God hoarding anything? Do we think his wealth or what we see in scriptures that, that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, we see a scripture or that he's got everything we need. Do we think it's to prop ourselves up as this extravagant people? Or do we think it's, he's just going to make sure that our needs are met so that we can live this simple life, we can have room to have others over, to have meals, to have a foreigner uh, stay with us if they're passing through at the times. Is, it, is there something simpler and is there so much more fulfillment if we follow this? Se- simply seeking the means to do your work and to do your passions that you're uniquely gifted by him to do and being comfortable with that's enough. Living in the joy that he's happy with you, he's always with us. Or maybe it's even that yielding every moment to him, like the scripture says, like no matter what you're doing or who you're doing it for, do it like it's Jesus. And if you're working at work and you're doing it to Jesus, then it doesn't matter if your boss yells at you when you're done or he's happy because you didn't do it for your boss. You didn't do it for the recognition. You didn't do it for the pay raise. You did it because you were working hard to just be a help to the team, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. This book of spiritual discipline suggests these questions to ask ourselves if things are possibly clouding our simplicity? Am I living contentedly with my income? Am I a compulsive buyer? Do I try to impress people with gadgets? Do I buy only what I can afford? Am I charitable and regularly give to others' needs? These are fantastic questions to ask, to think through, to ruminate on. It's the beginning of the year. Why not? Why not have a spiritual discipline that's kind of like, ooh, shoot, what? 
reflect and go, I thought we were a grace church. We are a grace church. This isn't about actions, but sometimes it's about maybe your actions and the way you're living just shouts everything other than grace. It's just a shouting self, look at me, don't look at God. I've got this together until you fall apart because there's no way you have it all together. The last one is people. What gymnastics do I get to witness as a bartender and a minister to see people trying to impress others? Like the things they'll say, the stories they'll tell, the name dropping, the, like just the stuff that happens to people to be like, I'm special. And they're shouting to hear that they're special. To me, it says people just need to hear that they're special more. And I need to do a better job of that as a person, as a minister, as a bartender, as a friend, husband. But man, we're out there clamoring for this affection. How desperately or sincerely do we labor to create an impression with someone or to have that, that opinion or to think that someone thinks you're cool instead of just becoming good? Just letting your actions be that way, letting your reputation of how loving and how accepting you are be enough. We resort to all kinds of devices and things that we try to add. The next thing is gossip. In order to make sure that we're not in spotlight, we'll start to gossip about other people because it puts their problems up in front of whatever crowd you're with and then we get to feel better about ourselves because at least I'm not doing that. Did you see what Nikki did last week? Shoot. And I like to tease about this, yet Amy and I were just confronted with this in the last few weeks. We are like, man, we were hanging out with some friends and we were gossiping and more than usual for us. Like, what do we think that is? And we've realized this group of friends if, you don't, if someone isn't on the altar, you're on the altar next. And so it was this protection mechanism, like things are getting quiet, we're about to get ripped into, we better throw someone to the wolves because that's what this is all about. And so it's like, you're just like, I don't want to be the one, so let's talk about Shira really quick. Have you noticed her life? <laughs> like it's, but if you start examining your life, do we do this? Is that what gossip is to us? I love Paulie gives this list in Romans of these things. He's like, man... This group of people has kind of got sidewind into, there's all these things he's listing, and some of them are stealing, and some of them are even murder. Like, this is a rough, like, this crowd he's talking to has kind of gone off the rails a little bit. And then he, at the end of it, he's like, and worst of all, they've been gossiping. So gossip trumps the murder, the stealing, the whole list of crap. Like, oh man, we've just been talking bad about everyone else. And so if we start examining it, is it to try to make yourself look better? Because that's what Christianity is known for. And it's something we've got to switch as being followers of Jesus. Is we're not just, I'm not going to make you feel bad so it props me up. I'm going to show you where I see Jesus already in your life. I'm not, I'm not here to prop me up. He's propped me up. I'm here to prop you up. And I tell you you're loved just the way you are. You have talents inside you. I see light. I see love. I see the divine coming out when you do these things or you act this way. These are the questions we ask ourselves if the opinions of people are getting in the way. Can I allow for an unfavorable comment about myself to stand without the need to straighten out the matter. In recounting events or telling a story, do I shift it to make myself appear more favorable? Must I always make excuses for my behavior? Do I aim at excellence in my work without regard for what other people may say or think? I think of the person who's got an idea at work and no one is listening to you, what if you gave it away to someone else and you didn't care that anyone knew it was your idea? 
Or what if when you got praise from your boss for something that happened, what if you looked at the people that are on your team and who besides yourself did the most, and what if you shifted it all to them? Be like, no, no, this is, this is Steve this time. He really stood out like he did something more than the rest of us did. It was, it was amazing. And, and it doesn't, you don't have to hoard it or be like, yeah, I was the one who got the name dropped. Like, that was amazing. We're talking about a discipline of simplicity and there's a freedom that comes in practicing this, in following Jesus and living this way. This ambitious self, this demand for recognition or this, this constant want for things, this is, it's, this leaves us exhausted, tired, overfilled with things that we don't have room to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We don't have room to enjoy life, to be healed, to be refreshed, to get filled up so we have something to give. It just keeps us spinning. And the thing that stinks is this is what society says is chase after, you'll find it there. And you find people that have been chasing it for long enough and they're like, yeah, it wasn't there. Shoot. And sometimes that's two years for people or five years or 10 years or 20 years or 30. We find people that are retired. I remember when we used to visit Amy's parents, they, li- they were at this kind of retirement place in a uh, vacation place in Florida. I remember having conversations with the retired people that would be like, man, it took my whole life to figure out I was chasing crap. Like it just wasn't worth the 40 years I put in, and you're like, 40 years? I do not want to take 40 years for me to realize it's not worth chasing and propping myself up and going after these things. I want to be, to find those talents already in me and to use that to follow God in a different way. And so I'm going to suggest a couple of things for us to take home today to, to practice over the next couple of months until we hit our next discipline. Take a break from any kind of advertising. And instead, turn inward to find contentment. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's uh, asking yourself some of these questions. Maybe it's a self-discovery. I've said it a few times. There's a book of 100 questions of self-discovery I used when we were on sabbatical that I thought were amazing. It's free on Amazon Kindle. It's, It's worth looking into. But advertising infects us everywhere. It's on the shows we watch, the magazines we're listening to, the apps on our phone. It's just these little pokes everywhere. And if things are getting in the way or you're just discontent with where you're at and you, and you f- always think you need something else, maybe we need to shut this down. Find a way to get out. Maybe for Lenten season, this is that thing you're like, okay, advertising, whatever. Give your magazine subscriptions to a friend when they come in the mail and be like, you need to rip out all the, mag- the advertisements before it's handed over to me so that I just don't see the new shoes or the watch or whatever the heck hair product is getting in the way of me just living a contented life. Letting others tell us what we need. And there's a clarity that arises from simplicity and stillness. But if we're so clouded with stuff telling us what we need, maybe it's your Pinterest board or whatever. We just dream so big sometimes. What if we just looked at our life and be like, what do I love about what's already here? What if I spent a year or even just a season being like, I want to be so content I'm going to take a period where I don't want anything else. I don't need anything else. I need to see that what I have in front of me is enough. The next would be, whoops, it's all on the same screen. Avoid unnecessary talk. Now this is whether it's bragging about yourself, telling stories or dropping names, or maybe it's even putting out tons of social media so that you get the clicks. Maybe it's just quieting down. But maybe it's about gossip as well. Maybe we just need to shut up when it comes to other people. Or when someone else starts gossiping, maybe it's not like you little gossiping whatever. Uh, I had a great word in my head, but I want to share it. Um, 
maybe it's just shifting the conversation, or maybe it's throwing yourself under the bus. Because t- you'll, if you start watching the conversations where gossip come up, it's because people are uncomfortable, and they don't want it to be self-reflection. So what if I took that moment and just put myself under the bus? and be like, man, I've been struggling with this. People are like, whoa, Luke's talking about him. Now we don't have to talk about Nikki. Like, what? We're going to go there. We're going to talk about where we're at in life. Um, the last one is seeking purpose outside of validation. Maybe it is. Give the applause to someone else at work. Maybe it's the uh, giving up on the promotion or the pat on the back from your boss or your dad or whoever, and it's, it's just finding that contentment where you're at now. Is bravado and volume really more important than what you value, your integrity, those things that are most important to you? Does it, does it really matter what other people think? Because this way of living, it says that you won't even need to speak, that people just looking at your lifestyle, looking into your eyes, will see something different. But if you're chasing this, it doesn't matter how much you try, they're going to see the chase on you. You're just desperate. You're just too hungry. It just looks odd and weird. If we're doing this as a community, if we're open and honest with each other, we should be able to grow together. We should be able to take this period to be able to help each other out, to point these things out, to live this life where we're not chasing. We're not trying to show each other up. We can come to church in a hat and t-shirt and it, it's just okay. There's, a, there's, a, there's an atmosphere of you don't need to try to one-up the person next to you here. You can be where you're at, what you're passionate about, and it's all right. Um, I want to pray and take us into discussion and see where this goes today. Jesus, we just thank you for the opportunity to stretch, to look at this next year, 2018, our lives, and to see, am I putting forth to effort? Do I need to trust in you more? Do I need to slow down? Do I need to practice this discipline of simplicity? And where? What's my struggle? What's my hang-up? We just thank you that through our discussion, through our time together today, through my thoughts and prayers this next week, that you just reveal those things that are just getting in the way, that are just me trying too hard, that I can just let go of and relax in you. And fill those spaces then, that simplicity, that quietness of life with direction. Fill it with the things we love the most, the people we love the most, the opportunities to be your hands and feet. We thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. Amen.